Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. I am very excited to announce this guest because when I was in the corporate world in finance, I absolutely loved watching the BBC Two series Dragon's Den, where entrepreneurs get to pitch their business ideas to five multimillionaires in the hope of getting their cash investments. And I was longing to become an entrepreneur back then and really looked up to the dragons. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest today, former dragon Piers Linney. Piers, in fact, also appeared on the Channel 4 series, The Secret Millionaire. He is a businessman and investor with a professional background in the city. He was recognized as one of the top 100 most influential Black Britons and is known as a champion of entrepreneurship and growth businesses. Piers Leaney featured in the top 20 of the Financial Times list of the top 100 minority ethnic leaders in technology and has received many other accolades. He is on the Sky Diversity Advisory Council, a non-executive director of the British Business Bank and has founded and been CEO of several businesses. Finally, Piers is a keynote speaker and a content creator supporting entrepreneurs and developing technology solutions for small businesses. With such a long track record of success in many areas, I'm looking forward to finding out what makes him tick. So, welcome to Beehive Household Podcast. Thank um, you for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. And I told you this before, that your kind of way of thinking just fascinates me. You... You never have this like box fitted answer, um, whichever small questions I was throwing at you, it's always something very different. And you come across very strong minded and like, you know what you want. So I am curious to know how your mindset was shaped and you were born and bred in the Northwest of England and what, that's where you are now almost. So what were you like growing up? Who had the biggest influence on you? Oh, so my upbringing, so my, my mom is Bayesian. So she's from mm-hmm. Barbados. She came over a real kind of windrush generation um, to be a nurse with her sister, actually. So they literally came over in the sort of 63, I think it was. Right. And she met my father, who was a Mancunian. So I'm half West Indian, half Mancunian. I think he's a pretty good mix, actually. And he, he, and he he died, sadly, my father, uh, uh, unexpectedly. Um, but in his sleep basically in last November that's been a bit sort of a bit of hard work oh dear um but we can talk about that um and then but he was he's always been my sort of inspiration he was very bright he's one of the first working class lads to get a scholarship to go to Cambridge he spoke like I don't know seven languages fluently including Russian um so I had these kind of how about you I I speak German no 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 
That's for Daniel. That's about it. <laughs> that's, <it. laughs> that's about well, it. But, for now. <laughs> I, I learned about five words I think from him. Um, Russian's a tricky language, actually. I, I, I taught myself German. Mm-hmm. I was inspired by him. And then um, I got my, so I got my, my father and my mum are very, very different. So mm-hmm. when you look at sort of me, I think, and even uh, my brother to some extent, but especially me, you, I'm a real mixture of them. My brother is too, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, my mum in a way is quite headstrong, wants to get things done, doesn't take any nonsense. She, you know, she'll tell you exactly what she thinks of you to your face. <laughs> my dad was a bit more sort of introverted, um, academic, which I can okay. be if I have to be. Um, so I'm a, I'm a qualified lawyer by training. I worked in the city. So I did my sort of the, the academia bit. Right. I think I'm a real blend of both, which I guess most people are in terms of their parents. But yeah. I have this sort of interesting mix. And my parents were, they got together in, in the 60s when there were very, very few people my age who were sort of that kind of English, Caribbean, or even African, actually, mixed race, where That's the right. dad's the white guy. It's right. usually the way around, actually. Yes. So they, they had a real love story. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was like 57 years. So I had this kind of really, my dad was this kind of academic inspiration. He was a walking encyclopedia, quite literally. I could ask him anything about anything apart from pop music and sports. He was useless for those. Uh, and then my mum had this sort of real personality. So that's where it kind of, it kind of stems from. And I've, I've always right. had, um, I can do it attitude, really. I've never, I've always wanted to decide, I've kind of decided I want to do things. And one way or the other, it sort of made it happen. And right. I think that I got to the point in life where I was a bit more, especially when you end up becoming on TV and you're like, who am I? And you know, what box? People try and put you in a box. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I've even matured since I was on Dragon's Den, actually. So I think now I'm, as you may have gathered, if you heard me into Clubhouse or various events like that, yes. I just say what I think now, which is going back to my mum's, <laughs> going back to my mum's approach, as opposed to worrying about what people think I might think. Right. I've kind Has of got it- over that. Has it recently changed? Oh, I wouldn't say recently, but now I think I'm more, you know, you, you should have, you, you get a bit older. I was 50 this year and the only silver line into that cloud was I got vaccinated faster. So <laughs> I'm, I'm 50 now and, and um, you get to the point where you start, you know, and, and I'm actually doing things for the first time kind of my way, um, the things I want to do and I'm taking the time out and I've got, you know, I'm lucky that I'm in a position where I, I can do that. A lot of people can't. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm even starting a new business. People, people meet me and they think I've like retired and I live on an island and, you know, I've got a driver and a helicopter. I'm getting that stuff. I mean, I've got bikes basically. And yeah. I, I do things. And that you're I fitted now. out a van. Yeah, I'm fitting out a van. We can talk about that. Actually, that's one thing I have spent a huge amount of time doing. It's got every, <laughs> every system that a house has got basically. But, yeah. I spend, but now I spend my time doing things that I want to do with people I want to do it with. And that's quite refreshing. That's very powerful as well. And um, it took you, what, 50 years to get there in terms of the mindset? Yeah, about about probably 30 of it. <laughs> I'm still, still 30, working. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. So I've never really thought about mindset. I thought you have to have a certain mindset just to go from my, I went to, I, I went to a very you know, difficult, it still is, uh, I go back to the school sometimes, um, comprehensive school or high school, whatever the hell it was in Lancashire. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working at Credit Suisse in a city in Canary Wharf. And that, that's okay. a different podcast, but that's a journey in itself. Right. I think you have to have some kind of self-confidence or in my case, perhaps bloody mindedness to right. embark on and be successful on that journey. So I've never been, I, I, a lot of people I sort of, I kind of engage with sometimes they're, they're coaches and talk about mindset. And I've never, I've never sort of sat down and thought about that as a thing. It, it's just been a natural progression. 
Well, I, th- I think that's, that's where it comes from. A lot of people try to crack down the successful mindset and often you're being born with it. But it's a good chance that you can learn from the best, from people like you to replicate something. Maybe it's going to be a little bit more forced. It seems like it comes naturally to you. So yeah, I think people, some people have an uh, innate ability, um, innate abilities, but I'm mm. a big believer in that people say entrepreneurs are born, they're born or bred. I think you know, everything's a mixture, isn't it? You have innate, innate abilities, but the rest of it you learn, you know, even entrepreneurs, you know, serial entrepreneurs, um, they're people that, you know, made all the mistakes before so that they That's know right. what they're doing. Um, so you know, leadership, leadership, something that can be learned. It can be taught. I mean, that's what the military do. It's a, it's a particular kind of leadership, but it's leadership. Right. You, you've not been in military. I haven't, no, no. You haven't, right. So it's, again, something that you have in you, that leadership quality. Well, my dad was in naval intelligence, um, but um, I've never, I've, I've never even thought about that, actually, no. But yeah, maybe intelligence. Hence why knowing Russian. Anyone in the force. Well, that's why he knows Russian. But, mm. So that's not, okay, that's another story. But my, dad, my dad was, my dad learned Russian to interrogate Russians, basically. I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, peculiar. <laughs> I see, I see. So, um, and I, I do appreciate you opening up because I know you're quite a private person as well. And you also call yourself a reluctant celebrity. Is that right? So you, you, you yeah. disappeared for kind of like a couple of years of the public radar. Why, why was that? Did, did anything happen to make you so guarded? Because um, I'm sure you have some phenomenal stories and some personal experiences that people can, could relate to. Um, no, I've always been, I suppose the, 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 the height of my celebrity, if you want to call it that, was mm. being on um, BBC Two, you know, Dragon's Den. And yeah. it was an interesting one because I had a business then where it was B2B. So I couldn't really, I couldn't really flog it on TV because, you know, you couldn't walk down the high street and say, oh, there it is. I'll pop in. Um, so I didn't really have that. And, um, you know, you don't apply to be on Dragon's Den. You know, they kind of find you and they right. they kind of say, you know, do you want to do it? And the first time I wasn't really sure it didn't happen anyway. And the second time did, round... Did you not think that it was a prank or something? Well, first the first time, time, yeah, I thought my mate Damo, because he does these things. I, I thought it was him. I think I even <laughs> said to the caller, saying, is that Damo? And the second time round, I kind of knew, I kind of knew that their approach. So, and I was actually um, dropping a name now. It was actually, I was actually abroad with Sir Richard Branson at his private mm-hmm. game reserve at Ulusaba, which is like, if you ever, if you ever can afford or get the chance to go there, it's just bonk. It's like a James Bond lair in the bush. It's crazy. Okay. okay. What are the chances? How do you get to be there? Well, I, um, well, the old fashioned way. So I donated to a charity, to be quite frank, a reasonable mm-hmm. amount of money. It must have, so, it must have been very generous. Exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, we, we built a, we, it went towards building a school and various good causes. I got to go to Soweto and work with some entrepreneurs there. And I mean, real entrepreneurs, people that are actually, you know, they built something out of literally nothing. You know, they haven't gone and raised a million pound seed funding, started a company. It's literally something from nothing. So that from was amazing nothing. to see. Um, so I was there with Richard Branson and, I, I, and they were hounding me the BBC. And I said, who, who can I talk to that understands that, you know, the, the media and business and how you combine the two and profile and how you should approach it. And you know, obviously it was him. So cut a very mm. long story short, I ended up having a beer with him, overlooking these yeah. sort of a, lions and chasing in parlors or whatever they were i thought which is quite a sort of metaphor and he said to me no yeah. screw it just do it quite literally he said he used to get on a plane for a de- decent tv spot so I, I said okay 
uh, I'll do it. Great. Thank you. And he, and I, I started walking away. I'm not making any of this up. As I was walking away, he said, no, 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 call them back now. So he made me call the producers and say, yes, I'm in. So that's my kind of Dragon's Den story as to why I ended up doing it. But I was probably would have ended up doing it anyway. But I, anyway, the, to answer your question, I was mm. nervous and reluctant about um, celebrity because people, you know, you, you can't walk down the street. And even today, you know, people meet me and it's like, are they talking to me, peers, or are they interested in that bloke that was on TV? So they can put a photo next to me on Facebook for their mates. Mm, so, you know, you, that's, that can be quite frustrating. So that's interesting. So you and on Dragon's Den and you behind closed doors, are those two different personas? Yeah, so Dragon's Den, so TV, Dragon's Den, anything like that, they, they create a caricature of you. So I was myself on Dragon's Den, but you're edited, you know. So, you know, Deborah yeah. is the nicest lady you'd ever want to meet. I mean, she's amazing. Um, really? You know, she's not this sort of scary dragon, um, but that, that's how she's edited, and that's part of the game. Um, so, what about Kelly uh, Hoppen? As a, as I am so, in the interior design business, yeah, Kelly was Kelly was um, Kelly. Actually, I would say she came across with. But again, I know I know Kelly quite well. She's probably the only dragon I'm still sort of in touch with, really. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Kelly, if you asked her, she'd probably look at it and say it's a caricature of her, because okay. that's what it does. It, the, the edit essentially it, it sort of um, it magnifies you in some ways. So people people assume they know you. Because they, they assume that's who you are, that you're that personality, that's your character. Right. And, so, and some of it is you, but a lot of it isn't. So that's quite interesting where people think that they literally, uh, people come up to you in the street and they go, hi, Piers, how are you? Um, I've been somewhere where somebody said to me, hi, Piers, how are you? And I thought, oh, do I know this person? And I said, <laughs> how are your girls? And they use my children's names. Right. So automatically, I'm thinking, oh, well, I must know them. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm sort of trying to blag it, I'm trying to work out where I know them from. And I, and he, I said, so, do I know you? And he's like, oh, no, no. Well, how do you know my daughter's names? Oh, I read them on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's just, it, it is quite bonkers. But I, I wasn't, when you go back to being a reluctant celebrity, I, I didn't go to, you know, the opening of a fridge or uh, an envelope or uh, a film. You know, I wasn't interested. Why not? Okay. So that's when you kind of laid low. Yeah, I think if I went back in time, I'd probably now, now knowing what I know, I'd probably mm-hmm. leverage it a bit more social media but I wasn't really into that then but I kind of um going back to your other part of your question about what happened after that so I got out of that I had a business and I got out of what messily to be quite honest with you it was quite hard work um I got divorced um it's quite a personal yes. time as well difficult time so and I you know I was sort of I guess licking my wounds a bit and thinking what to do next and I thought long and hard about that and um I started you know um creating a bit of content and to seeing mm-hmm. how that went because um, I quite enjoyed doing it and the feedback was good. I created a course, you know, startup.peersly.com for anyone starting mm-hmm. a business. I was your sort of typical online course creator. Started Perfect. a YouTube channel, which is flipping hard work YouTube. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm coming back around <laughs> to that in a, in a big way. So, yeah. And, and I, le- I learned other lessons about that, about now in my new business, I want to scale up my content. And their business is quite content-driven, content yeah. marketing-driven. So I've, I've learned a lot over the last two years. That's amazing. And you mentioned your divorce. That would have been 2018, wasn't it? And since then... I've got no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> it was something... I, I, I know everything. So just, um, yeah, yeah time, <laughs> can help yeah, you with the date. Yeah, yeah le- <laughs> legally around about that time. Yeah. Legally about that time. Okay, got it. Got it. So, um, and, and, and it's, um, yeah, it's mine shifting and changing for, for any person it's a, it's a huge 
lifestyle change as well in in that sense of things the way well you got if you got children two adults i guess you just get on with your lives when it involves children it's very very difficult um i think that's right but luckily i think my girls are more and they were quite young then they're like they're like 10 and 13 now but they've been more they were more grown up than i was about it were they that's amazing yeah, yeah it was absolutely amazing yeah um is it easy to maintain relationship now um post divorce with your children um and your ex-spouse? No, I, I think it's harder because it's harder to see them but um i think we've got a just as good a relationship um, if not better in some ways because you spend more quality time and i'm not sort of working all hours god sends i still work a lot even when they were here last week actually i've still got yeah. stuff to do but um they're a bit older now they kind of understand it um as opposed to daddy's ignoring me um, That's so they can right. see what I'm doing. And, and also they understand what I'm doing actually. And one of my eldest is fascinated by business and what I do. I think you can see where she's going. Really? Yeah. How amazing. You must be so proud when you see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's like a bit of a fighter as well. She's actually a, she's a national judo champion for her age as well, I think. So, you know, so she's, um, amazing. she's a, going back to mindset. She's a personality as well. Go power. Hmm. In the age Big of Aquarius. Don't mess, don't, don't mess with her. <laughs> Just throw you over a table, yeah. I like that girl already, definitely. And you you sold your five-bedroom detached house in Highgate, which is in North London, as soon as Brexit was announced. And it sounds like this was a very commercially driven decision. And as you're not planning to buy anything until there's a potential for capital appreciation. Now, how about... Any no, it all sounds quite scientific. It was emotion. Well, that's what I was going. This is, <laughs> this is how what, what I was reading. I'm thinking. Well, how about emotional attachment? What was that home for you? Like never been attached to homes and buildings and bricks and never. I mean, even when um, you know, your first apartment, uh, my first the first apartment I bought actually was in Clerkenwell, Central London. So it's all very nice, you know. But um, very very yes, very it, arty. It, it's area the stuff well. in it that matters. It's the stuff in it that matters. And as soon as you Whenever you've moved and you, you put your stuff in a, some lorry and it departs, so you look back at the place you, you lived and you called home, it's not, it's an empty shell. And uh, so I've never, ever been attached. In fact, I don't, I don't really get attached to a lot of things, really. I've got the ring here I took off my, I literally took it off my father's finger when he passed away. And if I lost that, I'd probably be upset. But there's nothing else I can't right. replace on Amazon in two hours. What an interesting mindset. Wow. Yeah, I, I am literally the person that if I had to, I could disappear with a whole door. <laughs> and uh, I said to my I said to my girls, well, it's a real cliche, isn't it? Um, don't, you know, mm. don't buy stuff, do stuff. Um, and I think when you're younger, you, you want to have it. stuff. Yeah, and I've had the Maserati and then the Porsche and all this stuff. Um, the big house in Highgate, you mentioned all that kind of, but I'm just yeah. not interested now. I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy, quite happy living in my new van. Your new van and you're really into your bikes? So that's, a bikes, values, yeah. that's your value. Well, I don't get what, to what ride them to... enough. And they, and they, got, they no. keep getting nicked. <laughs> They're too expensive, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably why. So what happened to Maserati? I sold it. I came up, got rid of it. And then at 9-11, and I'm not interested. I'm absolutely not interested. See, that's what I, I call I could, fascinating. Yeah, yeah but in... I've got a friend, you know, just bought a Lambo and he's sitting on his drive collecting dust, depreciating. I've just got no interest in depreciating assets. So what, what do you appreciate? Apart from the van, because that is a massive <laughs> depreciating asset. <laughs> you still love it. 
there's emotional attachment. Well, that's more about you're paying them more for freedom and ability to, you know, live on the road. And also my new business as well is I want to, I'm thinking of actually doing a traveling podcast. So I might call it, you know, man in a van. Man um, in so a I van. Be able, I, I want to be able to go out and meet customers and, you know, stay in some hotels. And I, I quite enjoy being free. I've got my bikes and I can literally yeah. park up somewhere, go and ride, you know, road bike, whatever it might be, mountain bike. And have that freedom that you know if you want to disappear to Norway and you can disappear or Iceland, off you go. How fascinating! A very refreshing. So I don't actually, I don't, I don't actually own a house at the minute. You do rent, don't you? Yes. Yeah. So in different places, so I don't actually own a property. So, so when um, Brexit came up, is that kind of time as well? I had to sort of sell it anyway, really. But we sort of got out of it, and the cash buyer turned up and bought it, um, and I. I'm pretty sure now it'd be worth 20% less than what we sold it for at the time. Um, so I'm kind of glad, glad we got out. And then I kind of look around now and I, I grew up a lot of time growing up in Manchester, went to Manchester university. I still spent a bit of time there. And I kind of look yeah. around, I kind of, you know, I've kind of done that. I've, you know, I've been in London for years and I'm starting a new business now. I want to get on the road, see more of the UK and the potentially our business is, it's a platform as well that could be deployed overseas. So it could be deployed in North America uh, the Middle East, Australia, mm-hmm. and maybe even South Africa, perhaps, depending on the, uh, it's kind of a platform for telcos. Okay. So that's an opportunity to go and live overseas for a while. I'll go and do that. Well, when is the uh, your next destination, you think? Is it going to be US or? Um, US, yeah. US, yeah. Oh, we're going to lose you, peers to the well, I wouldn't move neighborhood. I, I couldn't live in the US for various no? reasons. They're probably very apparent to lots of people who follow follow US politics. And but um <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't live in the US. I, I can spend a I love it. It's a very depends where you are in the US, doesn't it? But um I couldn't I wouldn't move there. I'd spend a period of time there to yeah. establish a bit. Thing about moving businesses abroad is that you need someone to go there and and sort of um with the DNA and yeah. kind of embed it. Otherwise mm. they can go pear shaped very quickly. I'm sure you can partner with someone. With your connection, never the networking, same. No, it's never, never the, the same. same. You, really, you need, you need, in my view, you need someone in the business that's inside the tent that understands the brand, the values, the little DNA to go to that new territory and stand it up, and then embed that culture in that business. Then, once I'm happy that it's embedded, then you can pull out and leave, perhaps. But relying mm-hmm. on local market people to establish your business without that interaction is a bad plan. That's very good advice for anyone who's looking to scale up overseas. So it's part of what you're working on now, and we'll come to it in a bit more detail. Productivity in small businesses is a big focus of yours. Let, let that police car pass by because it's going to be picked up by the mic 100% and gone. So at the same time, at the same time you wearing quite a few hats some of them full-time, some of them part-time, and you're involved in numerous different ventures. Now, how do you ensure you are productive? What is your daily routine like to help you sustain your workload? So I'm not great at routine, actually. I have to force myself to do it. Um, right. And I, I think discipline is, you know, discipline and routine go very much hand in hand. It's about discipline, about getting stuff done. Um, mm-hmm. So I have to kind of, I have to 
but have a routine and create one and stick to it and think about it. And one of those people that wakes up at 5am and jumps into an ice bath and then God knows what, it's not me at all. In fact, if I get up before 7am, I just don't function properly. To be quite honest, I'm more of a night owl. So, but, but yeah, but, but um, you, you have things to do and it's about managing, about managing time, but it's really about managing people, isn't it? And, and, you know, because at the end of the day, most businesses I'm involved in, it's not just me. So it's about understanding how you sort of work with other people. And some of them now, people, they're not in the same country either. That's one thing COVID's done as well is, you know, when I'm looking to hire people, I'm not really bothered where they are, to be honest with you, as long as the time zone is not too bonkers. Right, right. Yes, because you mentioned that before, that um, at the moment on the social media, there's a lot of talk about the perfect routine that will give you that success. But uh, ultimately... When you get bored. (laughs) <laughs> I, I do the same thing every day, day in, day out. Um, well, is, isn't it a discipline? Yeah, but yeah, I think discipline actually is the, is the, I say this to my daughters even, is that, you know, but, you know, but doing things you don't want to do sometimes, but having the mm. discipline to get up and get it done. Right. Um, and, and maybe having a way of doing it. And part of the discipline might be having a, a routine, but I think that I get bored. So I need to, every so often I need to mix it up. You need a change. Well, there's a, there's a magic in the change. It kind of brings. But I like about. doing things. So yeah. So what happens to me is, is that I'll, I'll, I'll be looking, Oh, I need to look at um, video editing. So I don't just go and hire someone that's video editing. I learn how to do it myself. So I'll watch a million YouTube videos and then I'll learn how to you know, edit Premiere Pro or something, or how to set up a photographic studio. And I'll kind of do all, I kind of learn so much that when I hire someone to do it, I kind of understand enough about it where I can work with them, uh, you know, sort of um, interact with them, contribute, and also know when they're pulling my chain. Right, right. That's pretty cool. And you have identified that the reason for low productivity in small businesses is the low technology adoption rate. So we're coming on to your big venture so you are offering tools to help small business owners to free up basically their time to work on scale up and to grow. So is there a reason that this is a particular problem in the UK? And, and can you please just in general elaborate on what you're, um, what you're offering as part of your courses and um, technology solutions? Yeah, so I do a number of things. Just to sort of rewind slightly. So there are businesses I'm involved in where I'm a kind of a co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, the business that I'm sort of founding myself, I'm very much the CEO and the founder. Um, the things I invest in, where I get involved from time to time, depends if they need me and the sort of the ups and downs of building a business. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't because they, they've got a fantastic team. Um, so I mean, and I do sort of non-exec work. So I'm on the board of British Business Bank, which has been fascinating during COVID. That's right. <coughs> Excuse me. That's been fascinating during COVID, British Business Bank. So we, you know, we facilitated, it's gone from 8 billion to over 80 billion of funding for a small and um, high growth businesses in the UK. In fact, we're now the largest investor in UK businesses. That's been really interesting. Um, right. I'm on the Diversity and Inclusion Council at Sky. So that's fascinating as well, given the, the size, the scale and the reach of Sky. So I've got a mixture of things. But mm. I've been, I was and you, looking. you are a keynote speaker as well, don't you? I do, yeah. I do a lot yeah. of keynote speaking, actually. A lot of sort mm-hmm. of big brands from, and I kind of focus on, you know, business, scaling up, um, technology, the future of work, diversity and inclusion. I kind of keep it around things where I think that I can actually, I am some kind of subject matter expert and I can answer questions um, without sort of blagging it. 
Um, so I, I try not to stray too far from what I I'm com- very comfortable talking about. Uh, so I focus on that, and and that, I really enjoy that because I get to kind of network and meet um, very large, in many cases, very large businesses, the senior leadership, and right. I get to talk to them as well. And that can be anything from telcos to tech companies to um, quite recently healthcare drug companies. That's very interesting. Very but I was looking is. for about yeah, I was looking for what what do I what do I do next? How do I how do I bring together everything that's kind of interests me? And mm-hmm. is there something where my skills, my insights, my experience, I can kind of bring it all together and coalesce into something that's a new business that has scale? So I was looking at um, wellness and different sectors. And I came back to the sector and, and I know well, which is sort of small business services, because I've been, I used to own and run with a friend of mine, the UK's largest B2B airtime provider, kind of mobile solutions. Of course. And I've been in cloud solutions for businesses. So I was kind of looking around, and then if you look at the UK, and it's not, it's not I haven't found this, this is, this is very well-established research, both by Nesta, which is the big innovation foundation where I was a trustee for six years. Also yes, you worked research. with them as well, of course, yeah. Yeah, so Nesta was a fascinating. If you don't know anything mm. about Nesta, it's an innovation foundation. Uh, go and look it up, you'll learn something, trust me. And um, yeah, I was looking at this and thought, right, one of the biggest issues in the UK is that, you know, our small businesses, are the, that's what I'm passionate about, right? Small businesses, entrepreneurship, growing businesses. And, you know, even, even big businesses at some point in time are a small business if they start from scratch. That's right. And the big issue for them is productivity in the UK. We're way behind our counterparts around the world. And one of the reasons for that, one of the key reasons is that we're not embracing technology. So you know, small businesses should be embracing technology. They should be using this explosion of software that's available to, to basically grow their revenues, you know, reach customers in new ways, automate processes, reduce costs. And they can use that bit in the middle as profit, or they've got more time to do things they other things they love doing because they tend to be time poor and typically quite stressed. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a recognized issue. The issue is that small businesses they're, they're not able to embrace it. They haven't got the time. They haven't got the know-how. The days of your local IT shop supporting you've gone because of the cloud. So mm-hmm. they need support. So I was looking at a way of how do you scale up uh, the ability to support small businesses, and I'm more focused on small business owners. To understand right. the technology options and then and understand the modern modern business tools they should be using, buy them, adopt them, use them, and uh, you know, and be successful with them. But the issue is that's one part we're looking at. But the issue is when you start to look at some of these services that you want to curate and help them adopt and embrace, you realize it's quite a lot of tailored them are, work. Well, well, it's not, almost not a lot like of them are stuck in the nineties. They haven't well, changed. Yeah. They're just rubbish. That's Most right. big companies who tend to be all the service providers. They're very good at looking after big companies. They're quite good at consumers at scale. Mm-hmm. They're useless at su- supplying and supporting small businesses. So I'm not going to go into huge detail yet because we're, we're, we're working on this the sort of technology behind it and the launch. But we're actually reimagining or re-engineering, if you want to call it that, some of these services. Some of these are very key fundamental services you'll be familiar with and network okay. access, things like that. Okay. So we are actually re-engineering that. Is this exclusive? Uh, well, no. So, so the key about it, we're building a community as well. So this will be a community where we're supporting. There's content, and from that community, hopefully, I, I want our community, our customers, and even our shareholders eventually mm-hmm. to be the same people. And the idea then is to scale this up. And then if it works here, it'll work in other countries as well because small businesses are pretty poorly served in most developed countries, to be honest with you. And by small businesses, I mean you know, sub fifteen employees. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and to my understanding, it's a lot of very tailored work because every small business is just quite different. How can how can you cover that scope? You can't. So, small businesses, um, you've got the spectrum of you know off the shelf to bespoke. And yeah. in most cases, off the shelf will do 80% of what you want it to do. And the beauty now, we have APIs. These are the ways of connecting software together and, and ex- exchanging data between different systems. So the API yeah. means now you can bolt together. You'll be familiar with it. People use it. They use um, a website, email address capture, and that squirts it into, you know, a, I won't mention the names, but a sort of a, an email database, yes. email marketing tool. And then mm-hmm. the API means now you can plug together different software to create systems. And that was impossible right. until quite recently. I mean, big businesses used to pay systems integrators millions of pounds to make this happen. And now you can do it literally within the app. We can use external um, software, which, which is sort of a middleware, sits in the middle of two different applications that lets you plug them together and do different things. So. Mm-hmm. The point is the the software's there. Now, in some cases, you might need to do some bespoke development for your business, very particular. Mm-hmm. That's quite rare. And I okay. think that a lot of small businesses realize that they can get a long, long way with what's available and what has had billions of pounds of investment mm-hmm. into it in terms of the software development. You don't really want to be going out trying to build software. You want to be focusing on building your business. Mm. So you, you see, it's I think... And I'm I'm interested to go in this level of detail in what you did because it is directly related to freeing up the time and entrepreneurs can choose 100%. which way to spend it, whether they want to dedicate themselves to your home life, to your spending more time with your family, your loved ones, or scaling up and growing. And it's part of that mindset, part of those routines. And myself being that one-man band within my interior design company, this is very much what the struggle points are, what the pain You're points are. You're a target are. customer, so I'll be coming I, back I to you. I am, I am. That's probably <laughs> yeah. why you said yes to this interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, My first sale. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I get it, I get it. Um, so in, in terms of the um, budgetary ones, I, I suspect that the key reason why small businesses or the startups um, kind of struggling with adopting the technology. There's, there's a financial element with budgeting behind it. What, what scope are you offering? What is the, um, you know, price range? We've got different levels. So there's, there's a whole range of services. So one is things that we are actually building, we engineering, so we own that actually. We mm-hmm. built it. So we control the pricing. We control how that's delivered. We're um, re- reimagining how the app, for example, how that might work. So we, we can do that at that level. But if you go back to the top, you know, we're looking at a marketplace of curated services, which might be any business, many companies you've already heard of. But it's a question of not just having access to them because you can buy them on the web. It's knowing why you'd buy it and why it's right for you or not and understanding your options and then being able to purchase it. And because we're putting together a community, we should be able to create buying power. So these mm-hmm. brands will want to get at this community. So we should be able to negotiate better deals and we're also building the you know, rewards and affiliate programs so you can actually build a business on the on the platform itself if you wanted to. But the key for you is to go back to you. So, you know, you, you've got a business to run. You yeah. have lots of different options in terms of software. You probably, people will tell you, you know, you ask people for advice and they'll tell you what they like or you might go to your accountant and they won't have a clue, to be quite frank, but they'll probably give you a view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can be, you can for a lot of time scratching your head. Was that's what you really want to know is, 
this is what I do. Um, what are my options? Uh, enough information to make a decision. Then it's made. You get a good deal on it. Then you get some support, which might be content, about how you actually implement it in your business as quickly as possible, as painlessly as possible, and as cheaply as possible. And then you can get on with running your business. That's what it's about. Not worrying about software. Um, mm. But having said that, having the right software can transform your business and transform the time you've got either running your business and not messing around with an admin or the time you've got to go and do other things because there are other things in life apart from running a business. Mm, exactly. I, I'm sold. <laughs> That's done. Um, and, and you talk a lot about building the community within your business. Um, but actually turning into the personal question as part of this podcast, what about your your personal community, your personal circle? Is it kind of lonely at the top or have you managed to preserve close friendships throughout the years? Um, I think, yeah, you know, you know who your friends are. I think when you become, um, you end up on TV as well, it's quite interesting. You suddenly amass lots of new friends or people that you haven't spoken to for 20 years that suddenly want to take you out for a coffee. Um, and I think when you, when you sort of um, have a life chain, like a divorce or, you know, your business doesn't quite work out, whatever it might be, you tend to find out who your friends are quite quickly. Right. Um, I think now as well, you know, I've met new people in my new business. I don't think only one person in it has worked for me before. So they're all new, you know, from my chairman all the way down. So you're building new relationships, which I think is always interesting. It's good to get out. I've always been one to, you know, try and get out of your comfort zone. And whether that's, you know, riding a bike down a hill too quickly um, and you feel like a passenger at some point or whether it's um, in business. But, you know, starting a business for most people, including myself, it gets you out of a comfort zone because you are you are literally, you know, charting a course into the unknown. You have a hypothesis and you want to go and prove it. You are the eternal optimist, but there's no yeah. guarantee you'll get it right. Or, you know, it's not quite going to pan out the way you wanted it to. And you have to be able to pivot or change and you know learn. So what I'm what I am a big believer in is that you know the future of business very much is about communities. You know, it's not about scaring the flipping life out of someone because there's some bug in the toilet that the neighbor might pop around and see. It's a big blue monster. Those days are over, man. It, it, it's now about you know creating value for people mm-hmm. and doing it, doing it in a way in which aligns with their values. And, you know, they want to make money. They want to get a good deal. That's fine. But, you know, provenance and how you operate your business and they, they can see that. I think you've got to add more value. And the, the community is, is, I think, the way forward in terms of building and not, not just always selling to them either, just mm-hmm. adding value to people's lives. And eventually you will convert some of those people into your customers or your shareholders. That's right. That's right. So how can, um, how can people find you what's the best way of approaching you how, how do you go how, if, if people want to work with you well, it's always dangerous people approach me a lot, a lot on like linkedin for example but you know sometimes it takes me months to get around to answering all the messages so i know yeah so apologies for that so, <laughs> so just a lot of them um but i do i do get around to them as you might have noticed i know so, yes Appreciate that. I, I'm very focused on on this business, and there's been there's been a huge amount of work and iteration, tightening up the proposition. Um, I've got external investors, a lot of them I've never I've never met before. They're all new, um, and, there, and there's some you know great people that are sort of feeding back. So I'm very focused on that for now. And, and in due course, we're going to launch the kind of community and some content 
long before we launch the services. So right. you know, that that's going to be the rest of this year going into early next year in terms of launching. Mm-hmm. And then I'm probably going to do a crowdfund as well, a crowd raise again, because I really do want my community, the potential customers to benefit from the growth in the business. Right. So you passed the testing stage of the... No, no, we're still building. So we, we've been very much looking at the the community, the proposition, you know, um, go-to-market strategy, you know, a lot of research. In the past, I have been guilty of, um, I know what we're doing, here's the plan, let's go, charge. Yes. This time round, um, you know, I have, I try and maybe look at my course, things I talk about, rather than just sort of, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. So we actually are listening to people, doing research, getting feedback, iterating the ideas, the concepts, the development project. And, you know, and we're reaping the rewards and the fruits of doing that. Well, you know what Steve Jobs used to say, that um, people need to be told what they want rather than... So he kind of yeah, in believe. a particular way. Yeah, in a particular way, which you know, worked, for, worked for him. Worked I'm not for sure, I'm not sure scale that works for everybody. <laughs> so as a scale-up expert, what opportunities do you see in the interior design business? I'm going to take the benefit of this chat. So I knew nothing about interior design really until I met Kelly. Yes. And Kelly's um That's I don't Kelly Hoppen. Okay or not. But Kelly Hoppen of uh she's fascinating. Kelly's a real she's been doing interior design. She always says since she was like 16 or something. Yes. And she's amazing at it. And I I, I if I if I could afford her <laughs> I'm not sure I can. I'd get her to design one of my properties. I can can step in with my service. (laughs) I'm cheaper. (laughs) She's amazing because she has a, and and Kelly will say this, she, apparently she's able to visualize it in great detail. So when she sees a space and and the person, the clients, and she can visualize the end result. And then she will literally use the um, software to you know to recreate what she's kind of seen in her mind's eye yeah down to what color flower and how many are going to be on the table and then her team then can take that that drawing essentially and bring it into reality that's that's how her brain operates and that's fascinating this is creativity next level this is that right i've never done i've never done a proper interior design job i've never i should do one day yeah one day i'll I'll buy i'll buy a place and i'll buy that's home. And because I never really thought about that, honestly. that's home and let's, let's, let's do a job on it. And I'll probably do it when I, when I get out of the next business, perhaps. Um, right now I've been focused on um, a van, but it's not really interior design van. really. Or like a boat. It's, it's always creativity. So fitting it yeah. all in. and but, really. but it's really important, I think, to, I mean, you, you, people do it naturally about, you know, interior design your homes, but it's quite interesting so my, um, my my partner's brother, actually, he's just built a, bought a, a house and he's having it interior designed. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating seeing what they've come up with, what they've actually built from scratch and um, and how it sort of fits his personality and, you know, what what he would want. And as yeah. you see it coming to life, you're like, that's quite interesting, actually. I've never yeah. done that, not, not to that level. Wow. What does your partner think of that? Is she, would she do uh, she was as well. well. She's a bit of a she's a bit of a free spirit as well. She's more she'd be on the road again. But well, I think she she oh. would. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Where your clients, let's face it, right? Interior designers, your clients tend to be more high net worth, shall we say? They have a yeah. have a budget, so it tends to be a particular kind of person. But I know people that are very wealthy and have got interior designed uh, properties and never been there. 
Like, what's right. the point of that? Great for you. <laughs> you, you, get another, you get another job. But Don't you want see any problem live. with that. <laughs> yeah, well, you do you say that, but I guess you want you want people to live in the, you know, in your what you desire for them. Otherwise, that's true. That's true. Yes. Yes. Because there's there's a lot of um Psychology goes behind it. Like you mentioned, Kelly sees the person and you don't just design for the sake of a design. And even, even corporates, you know, it's a brand, isn't it? And, um, you know, the thing is we we all absorb it and we all enjoy it, but we don't think about it. So when you go to a nice hotel or a nice bar, you're Mm. sat there, I really like it here. You don't really know, you don't quite know, you don't quite, well, you kind of know why you like it. There'll be details you think, and you're, you're absorbing it. Uh, sort of subconsciously about why you're comfortable there, why exactly. you enjoy it, why you'd go back. And that's all been thought about. It's not, it's not random. Exactly. Exactly that. It's that um, something that is almost unnoticed and unseen, how it makes you feel that's, that's what well, it's the same in software. I mean, I'm going to make a slight um, leap of faith here for you, but <laughs> software is the same. You know, if you live in software and applications, it is about the, the design of it, you know, the UX, the UI, you know, they're saying now that the next CEOs of um, large tech companies, they won't be engineers. They'll be Steve Jobs. They'll be, they'll be designers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. So coming back to my question, I'm still curious to hear in terms of the scale up perspects for interior design business. What do you think? Is, is, is there, because we, we are in, in, well, coming out hopefully of the pandemic, who knows? And um, there's a lot of emphasis and focus on spending time at home. You are yeah. very much an exception of that, obviously. We've just established that. But a lot of people feel that. Is it, do you see as an entrepreneur and as a, you know, with your wealth of experience? Um, well, so yeah. I'm no expert, but, but what, you, what you can do, what you can always find, though, is, um, you know, businesses that are similar in nature and you can learn from them. So, I think my design is very personal and when you're an interior designer like yourself it's about you know how, how do i scale up yourself that's right. the issue there are only so many hours in the day so i would liken it and if you agree with this or not but like to architects so yeah. if you're an architect you know you can go from being a, a one-man band quite literally that's how i design people come to you and there's some very famous uh house designers um that have become very well known and they'll do mm-hmm. one you know project for some superstar at a time which is great because they're in a fortune but if you want to scale it up you've got to find a way of almost you know, extracting the way in which you operate and your your vision and your brand almost your values and being able then to get a team to understand that and embrace it and deliver okay. projects in that way now the issue of course is that when you have a company like yours for example and you go and sell into the client your services they expect you to turn up that's right. So then you've got to get over the, okay, well, I am the, this is my business. I am like a senior account manager. Here's a junior account or, or your account manager, whatever you want to call them. And they're going to work with you to instill my design ethos into your project. And I will oversee it, how big your company is, mm-hmm. um, at, a, at a particular um, level. It might mm-hmm. be quite hands-on if it's an important client. It might be, I'll be there at the beginning, I'll be there at the end. So like, not like if you look, you know, like the big architects and you know, they have practices that have hundreds, sometimes thousands of people working for them and their people go to them for their design ethos. So it can be done, but it's not easy at right. all. Right, right, right. So you, you, you've almost got to be careful from the outset um, and make it clear that you are selling a design approach and an ethos, an ethos as opposed yeah. to yourself, because people then are going to expect to see you turn up. Once you've, 
once you get into that loop, there are only so many, so many hours in the day. That's right. That's right. Hence why your technology solutions are just um, essential. Yeah, so technology, again, technology again, I mean, you know, we're getting into the world now. The problem is the technology, the right, is, the problem with technology is, is that we're all used to this linear world, linear progression, where we can see, broadly speaking, what's happened over the last 50 years, you know, 20 years accelerated slightly. We're going to an era now where change will be exponential and humans don't understand exponential right. change. They don't. They can't understand how... COVID, you know, the COVID goes from one person to, you know, millions. That's a, that's exponential growth. And we're going to that technology. So what I'm getting to is, is that, you know, within a generation, within 10 years, even, you will have very sophisticated augmented reality where you will be able to, you know, send a photo of your house or your room and you and your team and your software, going back mm -hmm. to software, mm -hmm. will be able to say, look, that's what we think you should do. And they'll go, oh, it looks amazing. It's brilliant. You've got great. And you'll we'll take a, it. You'll, you'll press a button, literally like Amazon, buy now. <laughs> and you'll get yeah. that. And boom, all stuff will turn up and a team. And it gets done and delivered. So for you, actually, mm. software, like for most people, is the way out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a 3D of, printing. Of, of being you. Yeah, 3D okay. printing. You could say, look, would you like a vase like this? And they're like, oh, that's quite nice. No, I prefer a bit of shape. What about that? Great. Boom. 3D print it. Ship it. That's right. Thank you very much. Then you actually get into products. That's right. Do you do you invest into 3D printing? Because that's a huge... Well, the bike company I've co-founded with the Affertons, called Afferton mm -hmm. Bikes, is 3D printed mountain bikes. So what we do is, or what they do, I don't work in a day-to-day, -to, -day, to be fair. What they do is... 3D print the joints so in a bike. You've got, you know, they've got the little tubes, yes. got the yeah, welds yeah, yeah. in a traditional bike. Yeah. And they 3D print the joints and then the tubes are carbon fiber and the joints are titanium. It's like, it's like a Formula One or aircraft mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, engineering where the strength is where the titanium is and mm -hmm. the tubes are sort of lightweight. They kind of, um, the stresses flow through those to the mm -hmm. joints. They're all 3D printed. And that's, that means that, you know, there's, there's a, there's, um, complexities that come with that but it means that you can print bikes to order and you don't carry stock so imagine now you've got a business where you can literally say look this is how we your your software and your software now understands your design ethos it delivers designs based on that to your customers using augmented reality mm -hmm. not only that you can then then sell and print and earn margin on all the products and the features in the drawing because you mm -hmm. can now print it and ship it that's this gets is where it needs to be yeah and, and that's how you scale it up that's what gets interesting mm -hmm. now we're not quite there yet but no, that that is absolutely coming within a decade how would you get into it like for a small business obviously it's um you know with, in a with small a, way start small, small way. like anything else so you you start to first you start to to understand what AR augmented reality, what AR can actually do its capabilities mm -hmm. and understand how it can be applied and who else is applying and how learn mm -hmm. about its limitations and the cost of doing it. And then this is my point we made at the very opening of this is be very careful then about jumping into some bespoke development project because it could cost you a fortune and take down the, the mothership, the core business, just try and Absolutely. find software that allows you to deliver these solutions using somebody else's software. Mm -hmm. initially at least and start small and do a, do a room, um, you know, do a, do a bedroom, do a wardrobe. And then eventually you can sort of start to 
because it's zoom out almost. So now you're not doing the wardrobe, you're doing the bedroom. Now you're actually doing the whole top floor. Now you're doing the, the whole house, whatever it is, apartment. So just start small and learn. Mm-hmm. Jumping, jump into these things, throw a lot of money at it, and uh, it just goes wrong. That's not how you learn because the technology is changing so quickly. By the time That's you've right. understood the sort of state of the art, it's moved on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the blitz questions. Um, the top book recommendation that changed your mindset. Another so interesting I've, I've answer, never, I know, is coming. I've never read a book where I've walked away and it's changed my life. You know, right, right. Um, I'm not religious at all. But I'm a fully signed up atheist. So yeah. You know, Religious texts don't have never done it for me. Um, there are books, you know. So when I was younger, you know, Sir Richard Branson is probably why I got, I, you know, I um, well, got to spend some time with him, luckily, because I losing virginity his, his charity. And um, one of the, his, early, his early ones, I think, you know, early I always found him, I always found Sir Richard an inspiration just because of you know, his, his background, his backstory, and the way in which he just went about doing things. Um, and there's books, you know, that. Uh, yeah, Ben Horowitz book I read a couple of years ago, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, which is um, yeah, it's a really good book for anyone thinking of building a business. It's about, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not straightforward, but there's, yeah. there's a way through. And I read, you know, the sort of management books, the lean startup books, things like that. But isn't it, I, I can't, no, I can't sort of Malcolm Gladwell, books like that in there. But isn't a book where I've put it down for, wow. Right. My life and my you know, something switched on a light and my life was changed from that moment. Never happened. But I've never, people say to me, who are your mentors? I've never yeah. had mentors really either. No. no. I've learned from people that are, I try and learn from people that are better than me. Even mm-hmm. people that work for me, with me. Um, you know, I have people that know a lot more about what they do clearly than, than I do. Mm. So I learn from them. But never, never a book. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've yet to find it. Maybe maybe you do, but maybe uh, I need to write it. But uh, <laughs> here you go, here you go yeah. to change someone else's mindset. Maybe maybe there's no such a book, um, and you need to produce one. In fact, yeah, have you thought about it? Um, I've been approached a few times, but I just don't have the time or the inclination right now. I don't really know what it would be about. And there's so many books. Every Tom Dick and Harry has got an Amazon bestseller. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to be one of those people. Well, biographies. Do well. I love biographies. I just don't believe my life is that interesting. I just don't believe. I just, I don't, know, I just don't have that confidence. It's that interesting. Yet. <laughs> Yet. I like that. Yet. Okay. Um, well, we'll take it um, a little bit off for the books of um, Richard Branson. His latest one is uh, Finding Virginity. I've lost track of now. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of... Really <laughs> about, he's, he's know, just... about building Virgin, the airline, and <laughs> living living in his, um, you know, on the canal and in a long boat, this kind of stuff. That that was inspiring, reading that back yeah. in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. So this one out of um, out of the box lately. Household tasks you'd like to outsource Oh, wow. What do you do around the house? Do you help? Not help? Not enough. No. Is that what your partner um, is? Yeah. <laughs> um, not, not because, not because, well, not enough, but she also says, you know, but she knows that I'm, I'm doing my thing and that, that contributes to the household, I guess. I guess. Um, outsource, really. I, I, I 
I, I hate admin generally. I hate like picking clues or sh- I'm not very good at like personal admin. I have to say I'm quite good at business yeah. admin because I, I get into the detail, but personal admin, I, I need someone that just literally, and my partner is clearly never going to do this, but someone not? Like, <laughs> that was my next no, question. <laughs> no interest. It's just someone that just literally, you know, it's like having a valet, isn't it? Someone to pick stuff up and, but you know, I'm never going to, I wouldn't, even if I had the, all the money in the world, I would never hire that person. Cause I, just, I just couldn't do it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, just, just removing that daily boring admin and, um, you know, stuff you have to do, move this thing from here to there or tie throw it away. I just find it really boring. Right, and I suppose, right. you know, people, people have, they have staff, don't they? These things for them, but I'm never going to have staff. Well, that's why you got rid of all of it. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I've got, I've got rid of most of it, actually. <laughs> so I, I take it you're quite messy. Um, no, I'm not messy. I've just got lots of different stuff. I have like my bike stuff. Um, I've got my, you know, my studio tech stuff, lights, mm-hmm. cameras, action. There's lots of stuff. That's but as I said earlier, it's, it's not okay. stuff I'm attached to. If, right. if, you know, if, if a house burned down, I don't yeah. any value now. Yeah. In the old days, it was your photo album, wasn't it? Yeah. Lost that. Now it's all in the cloud. So yeah. if any property burned down all my stuff in it, so what? It's right. a couple of hours on Amazon, a couple of hours down uh, whatever high street there is some clothes and I'm back, I'm back in the game. Amazing. And, and you mentioned your, your partner, how you two function. How would you describe your relationship now? Um. Cool. I don't know actually. Well, we, 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 well, we, we, we sort of. She's she's a bit younger than me, so and we get on. She she supports me and helps my business. Um, she was a quite young mum actually, and then she went back to university at the age of sort of thirty ish, and did business and marketing, and got a first. Um, having you know, having not doing having not looked at a textbook since she was sixteen, so you know Amazing. she's um, quite inspiring in that way. Yeah, and she supports me. She gets involved in my business, and she's got a different view on the world because, you know, she's a female, obviously, and obviously. Um, well, not obviously, actually, these days. So <laughs> yeah, obviously, we'll take it on my brother. My brother's happily married to John. So she, she's a female, and she's slightly different generation to me. She's a bit, a little bit younger, so she sees oh. things in a different way, which I think is quite interesting as well. Oh right, um, yeah. So we we and we have you know shared likes about getting out. Um, being on bikes or, you know, building a van together. So we have lots of things that we share that we really enjoy, but we're quite different. And that's quite good, actually. And um, she she has um, a way she likes things done. It's not always like my way. So that's quite interesting as well. We sort of have that kind of tension. Keeps you on your toes a little bit. On my toes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they say, you know, marriage goes by contrast. Well, I'm all not married. (laughs) <laughs> so I was married. Now I'm not married. Um, so I get it, but it may be, may well be. That's on an the open cards. question. Is <laughs> it an, an open question? Okay. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, sounds like a good camaraderie and partnership, certainly. And, yeah, it um, is. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have you been together for? Um, probably three, four years now. It's amazing how okay. time flies, actually. Because like yeah. COVID, you've lost like two years. It's amazing how. That's yeah, right. Well, just, it, it, yeah. it often either, either makes or breaks couples. So, Yeah, I think it's, I think it's helped us. I mean, we, you know, we've been locked down, we've been locked down together. She's like, you know, she wants to get out and do stuff. 
And I'm quite happy yeah. if I have to. I want to get out and do stuff as well. But I'm quite happy if I have to, you know, stuck in my, like, my, my dark dungeon here, just working all hours, working all hours God sends, you know. I can do either. Yeah. Amazing. But I think lockdown has tested a lot of relationships. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it certainly has. And um, um, I, I, I think it, it, it brought equally, it brought a lot of people together. And, um, and, and she's an entrepreneur as well, which helps as well. So that's why she wanted to go and do a degree in business and marketing. And she, you know, now she understands the jargon. And when I'm talking about, you know, P&Ls and EBITDA and cash flow and using terms from economics, you know, she knows what I'm talking about now. She knows and that's quite helpful. Because, yeah, she started a few businesses. Well, she's she's benefiting from you know the uh, mentor, the, the the one of the best mentors out there. So she's got their access yeah, to I'll, him. <laughs> if you told her I was a mentor, she'd probably laugh. <laughs> but um, maybe um, I need to get her on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, she's got lots of ideas about you know business that she wants to create, and she's um getting on with that really. But also supporting me in mine, which you know you do need you do need support in business because it it, it can be hard work especially if you're a sole founder like yourself mm. sole trader almost i guess yeah often consultants working around you it can be quite lonely so having somebody that's involved and you know asking questions um can be really helpful even if they don't yeah. i will say this even if they don't, you don't think oh they don't understand business but they understand you and exactly. they will look at what you're doing decisions you're making and they'll say oh are you sure about that and you'll say what do you know about business like, i don't need to know about the business but i understand you and that doesn't smell right or look right to me and that's then cool. that feedback is something you should absorb. Yeah, that, that's absolutely cool. I mean, my husband is still in banking and um, yeah, crazy working hours, but um, he's the one who I'm trying to drag onto my um, ventures and crazy ideas and everything. And, um, but eventually, I don't know, get into your personal life. But eventually, most people I know, you know, all my good friends are ex-bankers. Eventually, you know, you want to move on from banking, let's face it. Um, depending how senior yeah. you are and what your next, you know, it's always that next bonus, isn't it, that keeps you locked in. But eventually there comes a day More where... More than slavery, most, isn't it? That's yeah, what they call bankers, it. But eventually there comes a day, even with, even with the next bonus looming, where you realise that, you know, your time's up, you're going to go to something else. I don't, none, of my, none of my friends who are ex-bankers in the big banks, by the time they reach 50 and how old your husband is, but none of them are in the big banks. They've moved on. Yeah. So not long to go <laughs> for my husband. Um Favorite meal of the day and why? Um, if I had to eat one meal every day for the rest of my life in a prison cell, it'd be my mum's, which I can now cook actually reasonably well. It'd be her um, Caribbean or Barbadian chicken, jerk chicken. It's not like Jamaican jerk chicken, right. but it's all spicy, it's more herb, herb based, but okay. it's a uh, jerk chicken. They call it peas and rice. They call it rice and peas in other islands, but they call it peas and rice. <laughs> Right. And her tomato sauce. And um, yeah, I could eat that every day, rest of my life. Every day. Particularly for... healthy because it's all fried or boiled up. <laughs> um, nice. That's my favorite dish. Yeah. Nice. Is it um, in terms of the old, say, like breakfast, lunch, or dinner, what would be your like perfect, uh, your, your, your favorite? They tend to do breakfast either. It's an intermittent fast, really. So I'm probably eating before noon most days now. I've gone off breakfast. Um, I put a few pounds on a lockdown. I need to get rid of them rapidly. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> otherwise, otherwise I will be single again. <laughs> so I need to sort that out. Um, and then lunch tends to be quite light. And then um, I'm more sort of, I tend to eat most food in the evening, which is dangerous. Oh, so then you start munching. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, if I had to, if yeah. I had to eat, if I had to eat, yeah, it'd be, 
uh, West Indian food. That's that's what I'd eat every day if I had to. Delish. Is that where your partner is from? Is she? Is she um, no, my mum's. No, my mum. Well, it's mom. No, mum's Barbadian, as I was saying. So it's. But it's, 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 it's my mum's cooking. Your mum's cooking. Okay. Does your partner cook, or you cook with her? Yeah, yeah, she cooks. But if yeah. it, if it's West Indian, I'll do it. Brilliant. Top choice for a famous house guest, and it can be current or historic figure. I've thought about this a lot. You asked me this, and um, yeah, I still haven't got an answer. <gasps> I mean, there's, all, there's all the obvious, there's all the obvious ones. You, know, just, but... you just don't like hanging out with people much, right? I mean, this may sound—I don't know whether this is the answer you want—but if I had to choose, if there's one person I could have as a house guest again, it'd be my dad. Yeah, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's the only answer I could think of because there are so many things that you wanted to say, and he didn't, you know, he thought post lockdown we'll do this and we'll go there and we'll have a chat. And he's getting older now, so we should do a few things, and then you don't get the chance. So, if I had the chance for one more evening for dinner, it'd be my dad. Is it still quite raw? Yeah, but I think, as far as I'm concerned, he's the most famous person in the history that I know that I'm interested in. Most other people, you know, you can read a book about them, quite frankly, I don't really need to meet. meet you know, any of them. There's no, they're more, nobody religious because I'm not religious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if you, so I, I like history. So the, what, the names I was thinking of would be the great entrepreneurs, but they probably wouldn't talk to me and they'd probably be completely super annoying anyway. So it'd be, it'd be your George Stevenson, your Isambard Kingdom Brunels, you know, the, the great yeah. American entrepreneurs, the AG, yeah. JP Morgans, your, your Rockefellers. But they probably weren't nice people to meet. <laughs> I'm not sure I actually want to meet them out for dinner. <laughs> But it was just nice to, just nice to see them and see what made them tick. Oh, I love it. Quite cool. And this one is an um, um, interesting one. Or I'm interested in what you're going to say. Your dream house and location. That's a hard one, that, because, yeah, I think eventually it'd be more than one location. I, I don't think being pinned down to one location works for me at all. I get you know, where it. would home be? Probably be London's an amazing city, so mm-hmm. being somewhere in London, I, I would say. And um, but also there's Barbados as well. You know, somewhere you go to, but it's yeah. quite it's quite a long it's quite a long schlep um, in terms of uh, six eight hours, depending on which way you're going. Um, but increasingly now, I can work from anywhere in the world. Um, it That's wouldn't right. be the US. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think one location works. Hence why we're pimping out a van hence why a van so that that yeah, would be your perfect gives, gives you that so it'd be yeah like i said to you i'd much rather i'm really honest with you i'm going to move around you know stay in very nice you know hotels yeah yeah yeah, yeah. having a property somewhere i know lots of people properties all over the world and it just seems to be a pain you know, they're worried about it then they're going to cover the costs and rent it out so they can't have their stuff in it and then it just turned into a nightmare for them. Because then having having properties around the world that are just yours that are locked up is a very expensive hobby. That's right. Oh, 100 percent Yes. Well, you proved to be different here as well. <laughs> so yeah. Well, well done. Yeah, I, I, I don't aspire to lots of stuff and properties all over the world. It just doesn't interest me at all. There's so yeah, many you places you've got Airbnb now. There's so many places you can go and stay that are uh, and see, fascinating yeah. and engaging and beautiful that you don't need to own them. Right, right. Well, I, I guess it's slightly different when you had um, your children being little. And um, are you are you planning to have any more kids? 
that could settle you um, down again. Not, not right now, no. <laughs> There's a fear in your eyes. <laughs> well, by the time I'm a teenager, I'll be dead. <laughs> so that's one part. And then I'm just too busy. I'll be able to give them the time. Also, I'm not sure my partner, she's, I'm not sure she's quite ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. We're, we're quite enjoying our ability to have freedom. Freedom, freedom. I think this is the uh, key word for your chapter right now is the is the freedom for sure innovation and building some sort of sustainable new ethos that's going to be tested hopefully doing, doing stuff you want to do that and uh, that you enjoy with people you want to do with that's the key with people that you want to do with yes yes very powerful you have done things in the past make money with people that you know are i could use various uh, descriptions of them uh, but, you know, they weren't people I particularly would want to hang out with, but I can make a lot of money with them. I wouldn't do that now. I'm not interested. Really? Do, do you have a good... Well, I probably like, don't. Not that I need to either, I guess. Do you have a good, like, people's radar? Do, do you read people yeah. well? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very well. Yeah. Don't always, don't always get it right. I've been ripped off, been conned. So you don't always get it right, but mostly. Um, pretty good reader people, yeah. That helps. That helps. And... Um, particularly with the desire to surround yourself with the right tribe um, that will bring you that joy and um, prosperity, well, ultimately, and to do some good in the world. Because I know that your kind of um, goal that I also quite admire is to have business that is not just sustainable, but also makes a difference in the world. Just well, my, my chairman, my ex-chairman, the uh, friend is Sir Kenalissa, and he's a motto. He's, he's got a coat of arms. He's actually, he's actually the Lord Lieutenant of Greater London looks after the royal family whenever they're out, in, out and about in London. And right. uh, his, his family's motto is, is, do well, do good, which I think is a, probably a good, a good place to end this on because I've got a team meeting in five minutes. <laughs> yes, and I'm letting you go. And I do appreciate you taking all this time and um, with um, absolutely with what you offer, Piers, in terms of all those modern business technology tools. I, as I said it before... They're coming, they're coming, and they are a phenomenal link to exactly what this podcast is about, is the household, is the home life, is the freedom, is the um, hobbies that you can spend your time on just as long as what you do, your, your, your business world can be sorted, can be run smoother, faster, and you can make your decisions whether you need to be a bit more present in your family or you can grow, scale, and equally have more freedom and more time. Yeah, and can create Jump. wealth jumping on the exactly jumping on the um technology band earlier on is quite important and um we'll be keeping our eyes on you peers thank you so much for your time thank you well for thank me. you for having me and uh, good luck with the business thank you so much for listening to this episode of beehive household podcast please don't forget to like leave your review and share with your friends and family for more information on the design services we offer visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors as well as LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.